they can't win. And the court shot more holes in their argument than holes in Sonny Corleone. I mention that because it was Sonny Corleone. It was the estate of James Caan. That was an actual case, came out a few weeks ago. He already died. They're still fighting a rollover he tried to do for a million dollars while he was alive. He didn't follow, he broke every rule. He broke the once per year rollover rule. He broke the same property rule. He broke the 60 day rule. And they went to court to fight it and they got thrown out of court. There's so many jokes around that. The IRS shot them down. They made an offer and IRS refused. They showed no respect. It's all over the place. Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo, will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well. Hello and welcome. This is Jason Smith and welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Today, I have a gentleman that has mentored me for many, many years. I've been part of his organization. I have learned more about tax planning and tax management from this guy than I have from anybody else and definitely has become a good friend of mine through the years. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Well, great to be here and back at you. You know, you talk about education and that's critical, but it's what you do with that education that you've built a whole business on. You know, it's one thing, knowing things, but people who know things really never make a lot of money. They just know a lot of things. It's putting that education to use to help as many people as possible. And that's something you have mentioned. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, we're all about simplification and education. You know, we try to simplify the complicated, which holistic wealth management is complicated. Tax, financial, legal, insurance, all this stuff. We got to keep it simple and we got to educate people so we empower them to make good decisions with their money. That's what it's all about. Ed, you are America's IRA expert. You've had that title for a long time. You're really the expert. All the major publications and media, they go to Ed when they want answers and they know they're going to get the right answers around tax planning and management things. But uh, Ed, why don't you kick us off and just share like off the top of your head some strategies, retirees or pre-retirees, mainly our listeners are for the most part 40 to 70 years old, and they're either building up in the accumulation phase, preparing for retirement, or they're about to go into retirement sometime in the next 10 years, or maybe they're even in retirement. It's a pretty wide range. But when you're thinking about these people, what should they be considering right now to get ahead of next tax season, right? So they don't have any surprises. What can they do to start minimizing tax liability in preparation for next tax season? Well, for those who don't know, I'm a CPA and I had a tax practice dealing with people like everyone here listening who are doing their taxes each year. But luckily for me, it hit me when I was in my early 30s. So you're talking about I'm almost 70 now, almost 40 years ago. I realized, what am I doing? I'm not helping anybody. All I am is the messenger of bad news. Every year, somebody would come in. I'd have my clients sit right at this desk here. We've been in this place for over 40 years. I think we're the longest tenant in this building. Actually, last May was, uh, yeah, 43 years here at the same spot. So the clients would come in 
And I would end up doing the same routine every year. I would look down. Oh, you know what you should have done? Oh, if you only did. Oh, too bad you didn't. Do. Oh, too bad. It's this whole woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I realized, what am I doing? All I'm doing is looking backwards when I should have been looking forward. Luckily for me, I picked up on that. And I think uh, CPAs, a lot of my colleagues, still the problem. I look at people that do tax returns, CPAs in general, are really just history teachers. They tell you what already happened. That's no good. That already happened. You got to move on. So what I'm telling you is a big difference between tax preparation, recording things that already happened, and looking forward. All I did is change, got rid of the rearview mirror, and looked out the front windshield. That's where it's all happening ahead of us. Proactive planning, things you can do now to shape your future so you don't come back each year for your taxes. And tax planning is not a once a year thing. People think it is because they know about the tax deadline. In fact, even my own publisher, I shouldn't even say this, but they say, should we put your new book out in tax season? No, it's not a tax book. It's a life planning like you do, holistic. It's the big long-term picture. Yes, it's just all that tax returns do is measure things year to year, but it's not measuring the big picture. And that's what people have to focus on when it comes to their retirement. Looking ahead, what's the score at the end of the game? Look, I know Cleveland now is a big football town, finally. But there's a saying in football, the score at halftime is irrelevant. Give me the score at the end of the game, and then I'll tell you who won. And that's the same thing with tax planning. It's how much you keep at the end of the game. And that's what you should be focusing on. Not all the little things that go on day to day, but focusing on doing those things towards reaching a goal. And it all comes back to me, what I learned is where you can make and accumulate the most money for retirement is in good tax planning, not in investments. Investments are part of it. Of course, you have to have something to have something to protect. But investments are just half the game. That's the first half of the game, the accumulation. But it's protecting that money. And because now most people have most of their money in tax deferred accounts, not tax-free, tax-deferred, IRAs and 401ks. Most people like to look at their balances, but don't realize that balance may not all belong to you. I sometimes tell people your IRA is an IOU to the IRS. Well, think about it this way. Most people understand, and this is what I use in a lot of my seminars to get the point across. Most people, when you sit down with people, Jason, they understand you ask them where their property is, and a married couple might say, we have this joint account and joint investment account. Everybody knows what that means. That means they own it 50-50. What if I told you your IRA, a 401k, was a joint account with Uncle Sam? Because that's what it is. And you think, what? Uncle Sam owns 50%. No, the percentage is open. A regular joint account, at least you know you get half. This is a joint account with the government, with Uncle Sam, who will determine his share of that account based on how much he needs when the math kicks in and the deficits and the debt levels. I'm afraid of taxes going through the roof. So you want to get rid of Uncle Sam as a partner on your life savings. And that's what great planning can do and put more money in your pockets and for your beneficiaries, long-term, big picture planning where you have more, keep more and make it last. 
You know, I add so much wisdom in what you just said. And I've been saying for years when I talk to business owners, a lot of our clients are business owners. It's not about what you make, which is the investments, it's about what you keep, That's right. which is the tax planning and management. So important for what But here's a mistake people make. They look at short-term gains. For example, they look to put more money, say, in a 401k or an IRA because they get a tax deduction up front. That is probably one of the worst things you can do. People say, why? I get a tax. I save on time. But you pay for it later. Focus at the end of the game. If you think like me, and you got to believe in that four-letter word I just mentioned. I shouldn't even say it again. Math, M-A-T-H. You know, the whole country is on a credit card, 30-something trillion in debt. I don't even know what the number is anymore. All I know is I used to say our debt levels are phone numbers, but now it's more than a phone number, even with the area code and the one. These are astronomical numbers. So at some point, I got to believe them, unless Congress keeps kicking the can down the road, the math is going to come home to roost. And the people who are at the highest risk of losing large chunks of their retirement savings to future higher taxes to pay these bills are the people with the most money in tax deferred IRAs and 401ks. So they say they get a deduction because they're looking for the short term gain. That may save you money up front, but it's not a true deduction. When you get a deduction, or an exclusion of income for a 401k contribution or an IRA deduction, that deduction, we call it a deduction, but it's not really. It's just a loan you're taking from the government that will be paid back at the worst possible time when you need the money most in retirement, when tax rates could be going through the roof. So that is one of the mistakes I see people focus on short term victories to save some money now, not looking at the big picture to accumulate work to look for things that grow tax free. Like I'm a big fan of Roth IRAs and tax free life insurance vehicles that eliminate the uncertainty of what future higher taxes can do to your standard of living in retirement. You know, Ed, one of the things I learned from you, and I love stories, analogies, right, is when you say, and you touched on this a moment ago, but you're in a partnership with the federal government on that money. And how do you get out of a partnership? You got to buy them out. And that's one of the things when I joined your group, I think it's going 17 years ago, something like that. And you started teaching me and other advisors at JL Smith, and we have multiple advisors in the Ed Slot group. And one of the things that really resonated with me, even in my own personal financial situation, my wife, Holly, and I over the years have converted all of our money over to Roth IRA money and Roth 401k over the years. And that's the key is I think people have this fallacy. It's all or nothing. You do it all in one year when you do, but you can do Roth conversion strategically over the years based on what your current year situation is. It's all about the tax rates. And right now, and we have until the end of 2025. Now, after 2025, rates are supposed to go back up. I don't know if they will, but you've got to look again at the big picture. Everybody complains about taxes. I never ran into anybody that didn't complain about taxes, but you don't realize how good it is. I'm glad to be on this program with you, Jason, to spread good news. These are the good old days. We're in the lowest tax rates you may ever 
ever see in your lifetime. Just to give you a frame of reference to show you how bad it was, people like me and many listeners or followers on the podcast here, baby boomers. These are the people born in the years 1946 through 1964. Just to give you a historical perspective, the top federal tax rate for each of those years, 1946 through 1964, exceeded now watch this, 90, that's 9-0, in case you didn't hear me, 90, 90%, except for the last year, 1964. That's when the Beatles came to America and everybody was so happy. And I don't know if this part's true, but everybody was so happy, I'm told, that they dropped the top federal tax rate all the way down for 64 to only 77%. And the whole country did a happy dance because tax rates were only 77%. That's more than double today's top rate. So you have to look, learn from history. Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Or another way to say it, those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. The fundamental rule, and it's so simple. I explain this to accountants all the time. To keep more of your hard-earned money when it's in a tax-deferred account, a joint account with Uncle Sam, like your IRA and 401k, always pay taxes at the lowest rates, which is right now. Nobody wants to be told pay taxes now. Matter of fact, I say that in my seminars. I say, here's the secret, three words, pay taxes now. People say, Ed, what kind of accountant are you? Pay taxes now. If I pay taxes now, Ed, I'll immediately have less, not more. I'm here to tell you the exact opposite is true if you look at the end of the game like you talked about with your Roth. In fact, back in 2010, you were with me then, I begged people to take that deal. The government gave us the deal of the century. I converted everything. I didn't do bits and pieces like you were talking about. And I mentioned it to our group. I said it publicly every show. I begged people to take that deal. I converted everything in my IRA to a Roth in 2010. For If you remember, and those who don't know watching might say, why 2010? Well, before that, if your income exceeded 100000 you were not able to convert. Congress, once again, in their wisdom, <laughs> needed money, and they eliminated the $100,000 restriction. And they needed money so bad, they gave away the store. I converted everything in 2010. How much tax did I pay on my 2010 conversion? Pause for effect. Zero. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Yes, that was true. That was the deal of the century. I begged people to take that deal in 2010. Here was the deal. If you converted whatever you converted in 2010, you paid no tax in 2010. You paid half in 11 and half in 12. In other words, the government was so desperate, they gave everybody an interest-free loan to build a tax-free savings account. I begged people to take that deal. Now, I'm not an investment guy like you guys are. So I had no idea from 2010 to where we are now, what the market will do. But everybody knows what happened in those 10 or 13 years or so, right? The greatest expansion of the market probably in history. And in my Roth, it was all tax-free. None of those gains are in a joint account from me with Uncle Sam. So that's the benefit. Yes, it cost me some money up front, but it was the deal of the century. You got to see the long-term big picture. Plus, what are my RMDs? I mentioned I'm almost 70. Does 70 and a half or 72 or 73 matter to me? No. 
I don't play by those rules. All my money's in a Roth. There are no required minimum distributions. That money just grows and grows and accumulates absolutely income tax-free for the rest of my life. And even under the new rules under the SECURE Act, 10 more years for my beneficiaries who can hold it for 10 more years accumulating tax-free. Tax-free money grows the fastest. That's another hard and fast rule. It's obvious. Why does it grow the fastest? Because it's not eroded by current or future taxes. You keep 100% of your money. No sharing. I'm not a good sharer anyway. You've been to dinners with me. I order a shrimp cocktail. They give you like three shrimps, right? If I give one away, that's a 33% loss. Why would I do that? I tell people, get your own. With the Roth or any tax-free vehicle, you stop the sharing for the rest of your life. So two things I wanted to ask you about. What situations Just for the listeners, might there be where it does make sense to do a traditional contribution where you get the tax deduction up front and then you do have to pay tax on it when you take it out later? And what scenario might the listeners be in where that might make more sense? The things I'm talking about are general big picture items. Obviously, anybody listening should take this to their own tax and financial advisors and look at your own brackets. Maybe if you believe you're in a very high bracket, the scenario I laid out, the Roth conversion, taking money down on an IRA, even if you don't have to, if you can get it out at low rates, really, the Roth comes down to one big bet on future tax rates. That's all it is. It's like buying a stock. You're buying the tax rate. You know, the saying buy low and sell high. Now, I didn't make that one up, but that's a good one too. Buy low and sell high. That's what we're talking about. In fact, the old comedian, Henny Youngman said years ago, and he didn't even know about this, I'm putting all my money in taxes. The only thing sure to go up. I believe in that scenario, but you may have a different scenario. You sit down with your tax advisors and maybe your advisors will say, you know, it kind of looks like when you have a big six-figure job or maybe you're making a lot of income, you're at a top rate. But remember, even today's top rate is very low. The top rate in the future may be much higher, but let's say you're in the top rate and where you work with your advisors or you believe you'll definitely be in a lower rate in retirement, maybe it pays to take those deductions, get some benefit now at a higher rate and pull the income out in retirement at hopefully a lower rate. But I keep using the word hopefully because we don't know. And I find that people, so people say to me, well, that's the kind of people that you asked the question about that probably should get the deductions and top rates. But I find people that are earning well and are at the top rates, even in retirement, they're always at the top rates because they've probably saved elsewhere or they've built up a large IRA. Remember, every time you get a deduction for your 401k or IRA, you're building up that balance, which sounds good until we get back to the reality that part of that goes right back to Uncle Sam. So everybody's situation is different. If you really believe you'll be in a lower bracket in retirement, that may be the reason to take the deductions now and pay for it later, except we're not sure. I call the Roth tax insurance. I'm big on insurance and being sure about things, stable, (laughs) stability, something you can depend on. And I call it tax insurance. It's insurance in case rates go up. That's why you get any insurance in case bad things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our listeners, they're high net worth or high income or both. And when you talk about these things, I think it's very relevant in the fact that 
if you take the deduction now and you build up and you use an awesome analogy I still use today that I learned from you many years ago, if you were a farmer oh, and right. were given the choice to pay tax on your seed or to pay tax on your harvest, which would you choose? And I think that's for most of the listeners, that's really what you have to think about is you're paying tax on the seed with the Roth versus the harvest. When it comes out, it's all tax free versus the alternative where you're going to take the deduction on a traditional IRA or 401k, but now you got to pay tax on the harvest. Right. I always say, yeah, pay tax. Again, it follows the same thing I just talked about. Always pay taxes when you believe your rates are the lowest. Now, everybody's different. That's why you examine your rates. But these rates are just begging to be taken advantage of. We've never seen rates this low in our lifetime. But it's this and a natural inversion to paying taxes before you have to. You know, as a CPA, all of my, not all, but many of my colleagues, especially when Roths first came out, the CPAs were totally against it because that's the way we were trained. We were hardwired from accounting 101 college. The first thing they told you, always defer, always put it off, never pay a tax before you have to. You know what? You have to look at the long-term big picture. In fact, if when you were a kid and your mother told you to do something and you say, not now, Ma, I'll do it later you would have been an accountant because you were trained to put things off. But over the years, I became a recovering accountant, seeing the big picture, and maybe it pays to pay something now to have a lot more later, both for you and your beneficiaries, and not worry about future higher taxes. So people might say, but Ed, what if you're wrong? What if tax rates don't go up? And what if my rates even go down? I find that hard to believe given our debt numbers. But all right, because I always go to the worst case scenario. What if I'm wrong? All right, here's what I love about the Roth. The worst case scenario, if I'm wrong, you end up with a 0% tax rate. You've locked in a 0% tax rate for the rest of your life and 10 years beyond. That's not a bad consolation prize, and you can't beat a 0% rate. And you never have to worry about RMDs. It's easier to inherit money. There's a lot less rules when everything's tax-free. You take taxes out of the equation, and I believe everybody ends up with more at the end. But you have to evaluate your own situation. I'm a big believer in moving to tax-free vehicles when I see the dark clouds of future higher taxes. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I see. Ed, from an estate planning standpoint, right, we're talking about the benefits of paying the tax and not leaving a bunch of pre-tax money that ultimately, who knows what tax rates are going to be. It's like you're leaving a tax time bomb, right? Another book that you've written. And I, I want to ask you about a more recent book that you've written for uh, for our listeners that might want to educate their children and grandchildren about some of these things. But how about the federal estate tax? Talk about that for a moment, because that's another big liability for some of the high net worth people that that could become an issue for them. Well, in 2024, it was just increased to over 13 million per person. So a married couple, you're talking over 26 million. So people say, well, I'll never have a tax. But again, we don't know how long that's going to last. That number is based on when it originated years ago with the $10 million number. Well, it was $5 million, then went up to $10 million. But we're working with a $10 million number that's been inflation adjusted over years. But when the provisions that I talked about go away after 2025, that exemption gets cut in half. So say even by 26, say the exemption is $14 million. So now it's down to $7 million under today's law. 
Personally, I don't know if that'll happen, but it could happen. So you have to plan for it. That's the law the way it is now. So if you have a large enough estate, the IRA only adds problems. A Roth conversion can actually lower your estate by paying the tax money. Matter of fact, I had, this was not a federal issue, but look at your states. Some states, not many, I think of 15, 16 states have high, like mine, New York, high estate taxes. Matter of fact, in New York, the exemption is just about six and a half million dollars, but it's a cliff. I just did this example for somebody. And in the example, if you're just a hundred thousand over the New York exemption amount, it's a 252% tax because it's a cliff. You lose your exemptions. You know, they'll say, well, New York only has 16% of state. And no, no, to look at the real numbers, it's about 250%. So I had this doctor a few years ago picked up on this. I hadn't seen this guy in, I don't know, 50, 60 years or something. He was my old doctor. He lived at the end of my block. He was the old time doctor that when we were kids would come to the house with his black bag and give us the shots. We couldn't stand that. You know, he made the house calls. Can you imagine doctors doing that today? He used to come to the house and sit us down and give us the medicine. Anyway, he remembered, he found me. He's in his 90s now. He picked up. He was very sharp. He said, I'm just over the limit. And I don't want to have my kids to pay estate taxes. I'm in my 90s. I'm healthy. But if I die, I project a big, especially state estate tax. So what we did, he had a large IRA. We converted a million dollars of that IRA. It costs about 400000 in taxes, but that 400000 for New York purposes under the cliff put him under and saved about 400000 in otherwise taxes. So in effect, the state paid the cost of the conversion. And now he has a million dollar Roth that's absolutely tax free. So he used the Roth conversion to lower his estate. He used another technique, too, which I'd never seen before. And maybe it's something that we just used in this situation, because he said to me, if my estate continues to grow, I want to direct where my tax dollars go. I don't want it going to the government in estate tax. I want to direct it to charities, but I don't know how much my estate will be. So we put in something we ended up calling. I think I shared it with the group many years ago when this came across. We call it the Santa Claus. Not like Santa Claus, the clause in his will, the Santa Claus. And basically what it says, if my estate goes high enough so it would trigger a state tax, then I want to give enough money to remove the estate tax to these five or six or whatever charities. So he was directing where his tax money would go by using a clause like that. It was the only time I ever saw it being used. But I thought it was genius because he's saying, I want these five groups or whatever he had to get the money, not the state, not the federal government. I want to direct where my tax, where my dollars go. And you can do that through charitable planning like that. Yeah, and I think these are great examples of sophisticated strategies that are out there. And there's dozens and dozens more that you and I both know about that ultimately most people don't know about. You don't know what you don't know. And so they just think that, hey, I just show up and pay my taxes. Whatever the tax return says, it says, hey, when I die, whatever happens, happens. But if you're proactive and you educate yourself and you start to, it's almost like playing a game of chess. You have to think moves ahead in order to win the game. A friend of both of ours, Dan Sullivan, just came out with a book recently, Who, Not How. Do you remember the book? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, I read it. Yeah. Because what you just said, if I'm listening, you said, oh, there's so many strategies and you got to play chess. But what if I don't want to play chess? Who, not how? Find somebody who can help you do that. But here's the challenge. Most financial advisors, and I know you'll agree with this being a financial advisor, don't have the tax planning knowledge. Most of them were trained to help you accumulate money, and that's great. Most of them are good at that. But you need to find the advisor that has specialized knowledge to help you keep what you have. That's the second half of the game, and most advisors don't play in that game. You said before, most people watching don't have access or don't know about these strategies. Sorry to say, most financial advisors don't seek out that knowledge because they were trained only on the investment side. But when you have most of your money in an IRA, a 401k, you better have an advisor trained on how to help you find these strategies. So that's the who. Don't worry about how. Find somebody that can help you do that. And that's why I created the group that you've been a member of for many years, and you've been a proud sponsor of it because you too believe in education. It's called Ed Slot's Elite IRA Advisor Group has nothing to do with investments. It's on the second half of the game. We train advisors like many in your group who want to know how to play the full game, what you call holistic, play to the end of the game, the full story. In the second half, the tax planning, that's where the big money can be made or preserved or protected. That's what you need to do. Find advisors that have specialized knowledge in that area. As you know, the members of our group are advisors all over the country. Not all of them are experts in everything, but they have us as their back office. So they have resources for me and my team of experts in this area that they can draw on to give you, you mentioned it before, the right answer the first time. The tax rules in this area of IRAs, 401ks, as you know, are the most complex in almost the whole code. But And that's bad enough. But the worst thing is not only are they complex, they're generally unforgiving, irrevocable. You may only have one chance to get the right answer. You want to get the right answer the first time and be exposed to all these strategies. We only talked about a few of them, but there are many ways to slay the tax dragon, some people say, or keep more of your hard-earned money and less to IRS. No problem with that. And it can be done. You don't even have to put in that much effort. Find somebody who can help you do it and explain it to you. It's not about, you're not going to read a book to try and be a brain surgeon, you're going to find a brain surgeon. Brain <laughs> surgeon, you can't do that on your own, even with a mirror. It's really hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And Ed, let's switch gears for a moment and talk about a newer book that you came out with, Fund Your Future, a tax smart savings well, plan. I came out with those. Yeah, those you can find. I put that book out for clients and consumers. It's called Fund Your Future. Because when I would do seminars, which I do all over the country still, as you know, for consumers, people would say, how do I get this across to my kids and my yes. grandkids? How do I educate them? I'm worried, you know, every person, and I got to say, I'm in that same group now, I connect with them, worried about their kids or grandkids inheriting money, knowing what to do with it, not losing it. There's a lot of scams out there, but there may be just a lack of planning, a lack of knowledge. How do I know? It's an easy book for parents and grandparents parents to give to their children and grandchildren just starting out. And the basic message is about the most valuable asset. And the most valuable asset the greatest money-making asset any person can possess is time. 
and young people have more of it than anyone else. So the book is aimed to take advantage of those years, starting Roths early, the compounding early, tax-free. Imagine if you and I were able to start our retirement accounts from dollar one to grow tax-free, and we would never have these issues. They have that ability now. That's what Fund Your Future is about. Uh, my regular book, my latest book, this one, you're talking about the new retirement savings time bomb. That's out there now, but I've just completed a new version because Congress keeps fiddling with the rules. I have a new version. Nobody even knows this yet. The first time I mentioned it on a show because I'm not sure of the publication date. I'm still waiting for the final version back from the publisher, but it's called the retirement savings time bomb ticks louder because I'm more afraid. That's coming out, scheduled now for around June 2024. But it's the same principles. Look at what you have growing that's growing a tax bill. Every minute you do nothing, it's growing a tax benefit for Uncle Sam. And unless you're overly patriotic, there's no reason to share. We were taught all wrong. This goes way back to when I started school, not like today. When I started school, the first year in school was kindergarten, age five. Now, as any grandparent knows, there's like 10 levels below that. You can go to 10 graduations before the kid turns three years old now. But anyway, when I went to school, they taught us all the wrong things. They taught us about sharing. That's nice for your toys and your crayons and your snacks, but not your money. Now you're at the other end of the spectrum. It's about keeping more, having more, and passing more on to your beneficiaries and loved ones tax-free, keeping more of your hard-earned money. And anybody can do it by having the right, knowledgeable, educated advisor and following the plans. Ed, I'd love you to kind of give an update to everybody about more recent changes in tax laws, especially in preparation for next tax season. Things maybe they should know about of what's going on, changes in tax laws. Well, to be specific, there are many of them. Matter of fact, Secure 2.0 came out last year to be effective this year, but it was such a mishmash and a mess that the effective dates are all over the map. There's things that were effective in 23, 24, 25, 26, 20, even 30, 10 years out. The new RMD, Required Minimum Distribution Age, is 73. Most people should know that already. There are new rules, not that new anymore, from the original SECURE Act for beneficiaries. This is where uh, a lot of your planning should focus because some of you watching may still be thinking, oh, I'm going to have this stretch IRA for my kids and grandkids. That's not available anymore. Now they'll be stuck with 10-year rule to have all that income come out in 10 years when the children may be 50 or 60 in their own highest earnings years. You should be doing some of the things I'm talking about to lessen that burden for them. Remember, when we talk about planning, the planning should be not only your lifetime, but like you call holistic, right through to the next generation, cover the whole game. And that's what you can do. Now, there are other items. If you have a Roth 401k now, there are no required minimum distributions starting in 2024 for a Roth 401k. There used to be. It increases in certain limits. You can put more money in 401ks and IRAs. But again, I would like to see that money go into Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs and maybe talk to people at your plan and switching more money. Matching contributions can now go into a Roth 401k. 
maybe move more money there. That's free money, but have it grow tax-free. You should be planting seeds to build tax-free where that money doesn't have to share. There are a lot of other new changes. These are things you work with your tax advisors and financial advisors. But again, you have to find the ones that are up on these things because we've never seen things like this. In all my years of studying tax law, it was rare that you had a giant tax law. It was a watershed, a big event. Now it's not only tax laws every year, but the tax laws are written so poorly that they are changed under the radar by IRS. For example, there's a Roth 401k provision that was supposed to take effect. I'm not even going to go into it in 2024, but it became so complex and there was an error in the law. I talk about catch-up contributions for age 50 or over. Technically, in 2024, Congress wrote them out of the tax law because they were putting another section in. A guy wanted to go home for Christmas or something. He deleted catch-up contributions. They don't even exist. But IRS stepped in and said, nope, they exist. We're going to put them back. And they can't even do that. But they're correcting Congress's mistakes. So a lot of what's going on is under the radar. These are the kind of things we train our advisors on through, as you know, programs ongoing study of webinars, elite alerts, updates. We have an IRA newsletter that goes out to our advisors. So you really have to stay on top of all these things. This is all we do. So we study this every day. Cases come out every day. Uh, we just saw a case on a poor rollover where a guy lost over a million dollars because his advisors didn't know how to do a rollover. And then to make it worse, these same advisors went to court to fight it, a case they can't win. And the court shot more holes in their argument than holes in Sonny Corleone. I mention that because it was Sonny Corleone. It was the estate of James Caan. That was an actual case came out a few weeks ago. He already oh, wow. died. They're still fighting a rollover he tried to do for a million dollars while he was alive. He didn't follow. He broke every rule. He broke the once per year rollover rule. He broke the same property rule. He broke the 60-day rule. And they oh. went to court to fight it, and they got thrown out of court. There's so many jokes around that. The IRS shot them down. They made an offer, and the IRS refused. They showed no respect. It's all over the place. But these are things that happen that most people don't see. Now, yeah, obviously, that's in a state of a celebrity. There's probably a lot more money. But if you lost a million dollars just because your advisors didn't know how to move from one account to another, remember, IRAs got to be handled with care. You, you make one mistake, it's over. You only get one chance, like an eggshell. You break it, it's over. So you've got to have advisors that get it right the first time. Excellent. Ed, you know, your website, irahelp.com, has a lot of great resources, even for consumers, not just financial Lots of great advisors. ones. Matter of fact, if you want to read about the James Conn case, that's up there. We have the slot report, our blog. We take questions. You can go to irahelp.com, post your questions. We have a mailbag, all free. You just go in there, read our blogs. We have two or three of them every nice little article, short, get to the point, very well written by me and my team of experts who write the way we talk, like we're talking now, Jason, and you know who they are, and you've seen them. People read them and say, wow, I wonder if my advisor knows this. Well, I don't want this happening to me. So we have all of that up there. That's a tremendous resource. You go right on the front page, irahelp.com, look at the blogs. You can read all of them, post questions, all free. And as we land the plane here, can you share with us 
any actionable tips that people can take now in preparation for next tax season to see a difference on their tax return, both in the short term or maybe even it's in future tax returns? What can they start thinking about doing now? Well, there's certain things, people heading to retirement. I look at one thing that really bothers people when they turn 65, and you know what it is, IRMA charges. I-R-M-A-A, income-related monthly adjustment amounts. These are also cliffs. You go over one of these items of the income threshold, and all of a sudden your Medicare charges for parts B and D go through the roof. Well, you can do something about that. That's where a Roth conversion comes in. In fact, at one of my seminars years ago, I was talking about the Roth conversion because I love Roth because I love tax-free. Remember, I'm not a sharer. I love tax-free. I want to keep 100% of my money. So the woman got it. And she said, you know, I understand what you're talking about, this Roth conversion. I'd love to have it all in tax-free Roth, but I'm over 65. I'm on Medicare. Isn't it true that if I do a conversion, my income will go up and that could trigger my IRMA charges for parts B and D? Isn't that true? I said, yeah, that could be true. She says, well, if that happened, that would make me very angry. So I said to her, you know what? If that makes you angry, then convert anyway, because I'd rather have you be angry for one year than be angry for the rest of your life, because you're not seeing the big picture. If you take the heat one year or two years, then everything's in a Roth. If you don't do it, see, not taking action doesn't mean you did anything. It means the problem doesn't go away. Your IRA is eroding in front of you. It's like the sign in my dentist's office. She has a sign, ignore your teeth and they'll go away. The problem doesn't go away. All you're doing is increasing the amounts that are going to have to come out. So when I talk about these IRMA charges, let's say you didn't convert because you didn't want to trigger IRMA charges one year or two years. Well, when you hit RMD age, which is now 73, you're going to have that problem every year for the rest of your life because your IRA went up so large, your RMDs are large and you can't get out of them. So look for ways to cut down, do Roth conversions. A good way to do it on the IRMA way is to do it before age 63, age 62 or earlier. Why? Because IRMA charges have a two-year look-back period. So you might say, well, I'll do it when I'm 63 or 64 because 65, I start Medicaid. No, there's a look back period. So look at 62 or earlier. I hate to end on a down note, but this is a situation which could help a lot of people. If you're a married couple and a spouse has died this year and there's a large IRA, do everything you can in the remaining weeks. Always work with your tax and financial advisors to convert that IRA to a Roth because next year you'll be single and the rates are going to go through the roof. For example, most people leave their IRAs to their spouse. So when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse usually ends up with the same income and assets other than the adjustment for Social Security. It has the same income that they both had together. But the next year, she'll be paying at single rates. By doing that, yes, you take a tax hit now, but you're getting to put that into the final joint return to take advantage of that last opportunity. Then let's say you converted everything. Then next year, you have a Roth IRA. You never have to worry about RMDs for the rest of your life. Your taxes will be lower for the rest of your life and for your beneficiaries. So a tip like that, unfortunate situation could help many. Also, at the end of the year, people may be short on federal withholding tax. That happens a lot. 
lot. Let's say you did a Roth conversion or you found out that all your stocks, your funds throw off these phantom gains. You know what happens in the first week in December. Everybody says, how could that be at tax time? I never made that money. It was a down year. Well, that's when they throw off all the capital gains. If you think you're going to be short, and you're safe, you're subject to RMDs. Have withholding taken from them because this way you won't be short and get an estimated tax penalty. You could take if you want. I've had people over the years took 100% withholding. I did that in cases where I had some older people, they had large RMDs. So I would set up as any good accountant, I would set up four quarters of estimated tax payments, but they never paid them. They came in the next year. What? You didn't pay them. You owe a fortune. And in this guy's case, I said, you know what? Obviously, that's not going to work. Let me talk to your son. The son was an attorney, lived in New York. I said, if I send them to you, can you pay them for your dad? I mean, you are the beneficiary, so you want to save him money. Oh, yeah, send them to me. I'll take care. He never took care of it. He forgot them also. So the next year, I said, you know what? You got over 100,000 a year RMDs. I'm going to let's take 100 percent withholding. All right. Go all to the government because withholding, even if it's done on the last day of the year, is deemed to have been paid in evenly throughout the year, like wage withholding. Ever since then, because they didn't even need the money, all they did is take the RMD and put it in a different account. But right. they owe taxes. So what happened is I didn't even have to send them estimated taxes that they weren't paying anyway. The withholding on the RMD covered all their income. And for years later, till the guy died, he thought he wasn't paying taxes. Right. That's great. Great advice. Practical and, examples I have for years of working with clients. But also look at charitable. You know, if you have charitable intentions, a lot of people at the end of the year think about giving to charity. If you're 70 and a half or older with an IRA, you can do a QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution. Ask your advisor about it. Most people now, because of the structure of the tax law the last few years, receive no tax benefit for donations you're already making. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying give to charity to save on taxes. In that case, if that was the case, then give all your money to the charity, you'll never have a tax. No, this is for people that give anyway with charitable intent. If you're going to give anyway and you qualify for a QCD from your IRA by being over age 70 and a half, do it that way because you get an exclusion from income that's better than a tax deduction. So that's the way to give. It's a direct gift from your IRA to a charity. Look at doing that. If you normally give anyway, talk to your advisors about getting that done before year end. So there's a lot of little things you can do to lower taxes next year by doing some things now before this year closes. Yeah, no doubt about it. In previous podcasts, we talked about the donor advised funds, right. the ability to lump together those to be able to qualify for the deduction. Those contributions. And just so that we're careful, with the QCD, you cannot do it with a donor advised fund. It has to come from the IRA. I don't want people mixing up the two. The benefit that I'm talking about is it comes out. It follows my rule. If you were listening early, what's my rule? Always pay taxes at the lowest rate. Get your money out of these IRAs at the lowest possible rate. When you do the QCD, which comes out of the IRA, you're getting out money that would otherwise be taxable at 0% tax rates, making the same gift. You're just saving taxes by making the same gift you would have made anyway. Yep. 100%. Thank you so much, Ed. This was great. And I do want to plug your podcast is the Great Retirement, great retirement debate. debate. We take issues just like this and we do it. I think I don't even know how many I, yeah, I pulled it up because they said you're going to ask me about it. 
I don't even know how many episodes we have. It looks like we had the first season, we had 18 episodes. But what we do is me and Jeffrey Levine, who you may know, another tax expert, we debate issues, but not to see who's right or wrong for the benefit of the listener, the consumer. In fact, we flip a coin and we take that side because we figure every financial transaction when it comes to retirement tax and estate planning has two sides. Even when I'm talking all about the Roth, not for everybody, that's where you have to have both sides of the equation. So sometimes I flip a coin and I lose and I have to take the side I absolutely don't believe in. But the winner is the one listening to the podcast saying, all right, I've got the pros and the cons for each decision. Should I do a Roth conversion? Should I name a trust? Should I give to charity? I'm looking, should I do the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k? Should I do a 401k or an IRA? Gifting versus inheriting to convert or not to convert. What about Secure Act 2? We did a big one on that deal or no deal, we called it. We went through the provisions. So again, the winner is is anybody who listens to these things gets unbiased, independent, objective take on the pros and cons of the most burning questions in this area. And as you said before, Ed, if the listeners are kind of like, whoa, this is a little too much for me, a little too technical, it's who, not how. And so we're here for you and feel free to reach out if you have questions. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Ed, and thank you for all your years of mentoring and training me and the other advisors to be the best holistic wealth management professionals we can be, which the tax planning and management is a crucial component. Well, you picked up on that. And I thank you right back for supporting many of our efforts to educate advisors. You've been a supporter for probably 20 years. I don't even know how long because you always believed in education. And that's what I'm about. Remember, I'm a CPA, a tax advisor. I don't sell stocks, bonds, funds. I'm a tax advisor and a planner. And it's about educating people and translating it to something they can use to actually keep more of their hard-earned money. And I know you're a believer in educated advisors, and you put your money behind it by sponsoring our educational program. So thanks back to you, and great to be on this show with you. All right. We will see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. We hope we inspired you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a Holistic Wealth and Health financial plan, please call 456-833-7000. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family.